0: Are you dealing with a female narcissist, mother, sister, maybe a mother-in-law? How about a female narcissist, coworker, or boss? When you're dealing with a female narcissist, it is so much harder for people to believe you because they've got this whole feminine thing going on where they're going to um, hide behind a persona that is a lot more believable than often on the other counter side of the male narcissist roles. My name is Tracy Malone, and today I've got a very special guest. Dr. Sherry Heller is going to talk to us about female narcissists and what you need to know if you're dealing with one. So let's welcome Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, hi, Tracy. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. It is always so much fun and uh, we just got a little chat before we went on live here and um, you know, I could talk to you for hours because we just speak the same narcissist. Yeah. language. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about um, the female narcissist and um, I know that they can be in, in all kinds of you know roles. So the, the romantic, the co-parenting, the divorcing, the mother, the siblings, the aunts, the mother-in-law, you can have them at work where do you want to start? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I guess the most classic manifestation of the female narcissist is the femme fatale, you know, there are so many books and films made of, you know, the siren, the seductress, the temptress, uh, even even within theology, we see her, you know, as Lilith, um, and she is, She is the embodiment of sexuality. You might say she's sort of kind of like this Aphrodite-like type of being. She exudes sexuality, she uses her feminine wiles, her sexuality to procure supply. She love bombs, just like a male narcissist um, would, but often that is kind of interspersed with her understanding the male psyche. So she knows to feed off of the men's need to feel um, virile and to feel important, to feel needed. So she might also intersperse her presentation with being somewhat of a damsel. Um, you know, she may want to procure that kind of, uh, that supply of needing help or even needing, um, financial assistance she may be you know there's a lot of other hidden agendas she may be a gold digger Uh, usually female narcissists do want to procure a certain kind of lifestyle so they will go after certain men and they know how to play them and they play them very well so once they have the the supply secured then they start to toy with their target Um, they may start to uh, become histrionic you know create fights that aren't there create issues that aren't really uh, prevalent um, they may disappear go hot and cold and this starts to create the imbalance and the cognitive dissonance you know so they're they're kind of I think prototypical when you think of the female narcissist um, but they could also be very subtle
0: yeah uh, you know? they, they run the gamut. So, you know, you can have mm. one that is a little bit more covert, a little bit more outgoing and you can see it. Um, yeah. you know, but, but there's, there's that persona of, um, almost female protection, if you want to say that, mm. where yeah. it's hard for people. And, and I'm talking about my male clients who are here for a, a female mother partner, you know, divorcing, nobody believes them when they tell people what their wife or mother or someone's doing because, Oh, yeah. you're, you're so sweet. It's, it's hard. It's easier for them to slip into that role that gives them almost a cover.
1: Right. Right. I think there is a real, um, collective resistance to characterizing women as victimizers of men. Mm-hmm. Um, I, have received a lot of backlash from that. I've written articles about um, how uh, evil in the human condition will express itself Mm -hmm. through uh, females as opposed to men and generally there is a lot of backlash because we look at criminality as mostly pertaining to male behavior but women can be much more stealth. I mean most of the people that I treat I mean really had I have a client now whose mother definitely had Munchausen and um, over a prolonged period of time, basically killed his um, brother with Down syndrome. Um, These types of behaviors are hidden, carefully hidden behind a facade of maternalism and virtue. Um, Even behind this, as you were saying, this um, veneer of needing to be taken care of of being fragile mm-hmm. so it's all the more insidious and daunting um to identify and you know we see the mother as sacrosanct so the idea of even confronting the mother as someone who is evil and we scoff at ideas of evil and you and i talked about that in another podcast about evil um, But to me, you know, women really embody that notion that evil is always cloaked in virtue. Mm -hmm. So the female narcissist really latches on to that. And she plays a role very well, more so than the male narcissist. And I think that's a a basic uh, differentiating characteristic because they're both as malignant. But the female knows how to uh, navigate the, the ruse.
0: Mm -hmm. You know,
1: because she's got these gender-specific roles that she can hide behind, more so than men.
0: Absolutely. It's it's so hard to identify on the outside. Like, when you're in it, it's your mother or your wife or your sister, you can see it quite clearly. It's getting the rest of the world to, like either just accept it or, you know, not think you're crazy because you're mm-hmm. about your mom or your wife that even, you know, like I have had many clients where, where the female narcissist like physically abused them. And yes, absolutely. Then the male is sitting here not fighting back and being the girl. Right. And then everyone says, well, you're, you're the big guy. Like, come on, she didn't do
1: that Right. That's yeah. They, it's, it's ridiculed. And there's a feeling of humiliation, and men are very ashamed, and they don't know how to conceptualize what's happening. They often minimize it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting for me when I talk about domestic violence with men who are being hit or having things thrown at them by their cluster B partners uh, who are female. Um, it doesn't dawn on them that it's domestic violence. Mm-hmm. It's hard for them to view it that way and that starts to become a paradigm shift that's really important that they begin to hold the woman accountable for violent behavior and violent behavior in women i think is so surreal to people that even with child abuse i mean and most of the people i work with were victims of maternal narcissists Mm -hmm. um but it's somehow legitimized it's i guess because we're the the we're the frail sex you know they're we're the demure sex or the seemingly the less aggressive gender, um, these ideas are not uh, applied to us. Mm-hmm. And
0: that's dangerous. Extremely dangerous. It's, it's, <laughs> me, it's, it's the unfairness of the system as well as yeah. common people really understanding and empathizing and not um, villainizing the man for even making this up. Um, because they also had the female narcissist, that public persona that we were talking about, um, puts them at the soccer game or the best birthday party and everyone loves them. Right. They They get home or they get the kid in the car after soccer and they're like smacking throwing things at them. Uh, it's really hard for people to, to, to break out of that mold that they were before they got in the car. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And life is a competition for female narcissists. So they have to look the best. They have to seem the best. You know, they really want to be admired and they have to have that control. And I have a a woman I'm working with now who was part of the pageant circuit and her mother was uh, with both her daughters really um, so unbelievably competitive and pushing and behind the scenes. So uh, just oppressive. And it's, that's a perfect kind of platform for a narcissistic mother, you know, to be able to have that kind of attention. And that is really the role that the narcissistic mother plays with her daughter. She has to be this narcissistic extension and has no mind of her own and has to just be performatory and be this kind of trophy being that is a kind of a, like a representative of herself so there is no separation individuation yeah yeah so you're taken hostage
0: exactly exactly and and this can happen with siblings and um family, mm-hmm. family. It, it is not limited to divorcing or mothers you uh, know right. work i hear many many more stories when i coach people that are in a work involved situation it's it's 90% people that have a female, like boss doing the destruction yeah yeah
1: women who are in positions of power and up the food chain Mm -hmm. who are uh narcissistically driven can be ruthless Mm -hmm. and uh but often again they present as strong women who are well-meaning um i had a client i work with who also was came in with ptsd I didn't, couldn't gauge what the hell was going on with her because she really had a very healthy upbringing. And, um, I mean, she had acute PTSD because she was not, um, groomed to be a narcissistic extension. Like myself or most of the people that I, that I treat who have complex trauma, it's much more, um, excruciating to navigate through narcissistic abuse for that reason, because the antecedent um, traumas are activated, but she was able to get better in a number of months and she was like a different person. And that that really highlighted for me that it doesn't matter what your background is, anyone who is targeted by a narcissist can develop post-traumatic stress disorder. And so she was in a company, she was a chemist and she was in a company um, that was taken over by a female CEO who was backstabbing her, stealing her clients, had a smear campaign. Basically, the company fell apart. Um, and she had such acute trauma, she had to leave, she had to resign. And, and I certainly went through that. I mean, the only boss I ever had in the public sector that was a problem for me was a female, an executive director who was a female. Um, I've worked with tons of men who were great, Um, but I had a female narcissist, um, who years later was fired by the board for extorting money. Mm -hmm. Um, but she was a great politician and, you know, she was in the philanthropies. She was in mental health and she seemed like such a, uh, just a, you know, a pillar of virtue. On paper. (laughs) On paper. (laughs) Let's put that down all on paper. I kind of miserable. She had a comment on everything I wore. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. she, yeah. And, um, and then the, it was funny because we had the, um, the licensing board, the Office of Alcoholism and Substance Abuse Services came in for an audit, and they said to her, they were appalled by my caseload. They said, because I was also supervising. I was in a supervisory role. She's, and they basically read her the riot act said, you can't do this to her. This is insane. Um, So some people could see through the veneer and then she hired, she fired my uh, supervisor. He was a consultant because he was advocating for me. He couldn't understand what was going on. There was a real disconnect um, because she demoted me but I brought the census up with the staff to 110%. And it wasn't, it just wasn't matching. I mean, but I did have, I have to say there was a redemptive moment because when I left, my clients who um, had worked with me, she had a ceremony because they had sustained remission from their addiction and the, the clinic was doing well. And they said, "Not if we're not gonna do this unless you bring Sherry back. So I was invited to come back and unbeknownst to her, they had this whole celebration in my honor, which was very humbling and very moving. And she was seething, she mm-hmm. was seething with rage. Um, so it was, um, yes, it felt like poetic justice.
0: (laughs) But that, um, yeah, I think that happens a lot. The hardest part when it is a, a narcissist at work is like your career, everything you've worked for. And, and, you know, generally it's somebody that has been there a long time and, and like this is where they've chosen the path. And then someone just comes in and just starts seeing their vulnerabilities and and just tears them down and now your very like livelihood is on the line
1: yeah
0: yeah and no matter where the female narcissist lays so if it's your mother your livelihood mm-hmm. your life your future your you know your your boundaries your everything that you have about your soul is is it's got to be untangled from the mess that mothers create and mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah a, they have a lot of power yeah so so let's Let's move into the, 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 um, the traits of someone who's being abused because we're talking about how hard it is to nail them down and go, oh yeah, that's a narcissist. So with a female um, narcissist, what are the traits that you see in their victims? Are they the same as they would be if they were male victims?
1: Not necessarily. I mean, I think that you could also um, consider the mean girl. The prototypical mean girl is the popular uh, female narcissist who loves to target the, the shy kid, you know, who is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, so they particularly will be just tremendously scarred, um, will feel there's a lot of fear when you're dealing with someone who is... Um, gossiping about you and maligning your character, especially if it starts at the high school level. Mm -hmm. Um, It all depends on who they want to uh, target, right? So in that situation, you're dealing with someone who is probably predisposed to being very vulnerable. If they're targeting a man who who is lonely, you know, um, well off, but is seeking companionship. Um, he's probably going to go into a state of being first initially very enamored mm-hmm. and will be heartbroken and be tenaciously wanting to hold on to the illusory courtship mm-hmm. that happened in the, at the onset. And so a man like this is also usually in a position of power to some degree because the narcissistic female wants someone who they can, um usurp some money from, or you know have some vicarious status from, so he will feel ashamed, he will start to probably become much more insular, start hiding things, classic syndrome, you know in a domestic violence situation where people start to become more and more remote, they begin to kind of fall off the grid um the uh, there may be some uh, maneuvering on the part of the female narcissist to malign family members or friends so that the target begins to feel that they're alone, <clears throat> that the only person they have, you know, is the narcissist. So the, the deterioration in that situation is um, very, um, it's designed you know, to kind of dehumanize and to break the person down uh, to a point where I think you would see signs of PTSD, flooding, dissociation, um, fear, uh, doubting perceptions, a lot of cognitive dissonance, um, also enhanced dependency because attachment becomes greater when there's abuse. You know, because they're, um, the highs are highs and the lows are lows. So there's, when they get the intermittent reinforcement, you know, when there is an episodic love bombing, or suddenly the narcissist returns from disappearing for a few days, um, he's euphoric, he's ecstatic, you know, or even with a woman, I have a client who was married to a woman who was beating her, um, and who was a severe narcissist. And um, that happens a lot in the lesbian community and isn't really talked about, the domestic violence in those situations. So, and that I think is probably where it's most severe with men whose mothers are narcissists. I think you see emotional incest. I think you see a lot of men who are browbeaten, who tend to be servile, who, um, or who have tremendous commitment issues, often have sex addiction issues, intimacy disorders um, have a hard time really forming a life with another outside of their relationship with the mother. Mm -hmm. And that, um, becomes very volatile within the marriage. And so you start to see the triangulation really take hold. Mm -hmm. And those targets are very torn, um, because they start to have abandonment panic. You know, they haven't gone through the developmental milestones of being able to adequately separate from their mother, and the narcissistic mother uses that as leverage. In the most severe cases, like with, um, I think it was Daryl, I'm trying to remember his name, he was a comedian on SNL who did a piece called Cracked, a documentary. His mother was um, extremely severe. She would beat him with hammers she would, and she was a church lady, right? So she had this veneer of being um, even religious and virtuous and she, he was in and out of hospitals and she did terrible, terrible things to him. Um, it wasn't until he found a psychiatrist fairly recently who was able to identify the source of his torment as his mother, that he was able to stabilize, but he was in and out of mental hospitals his whole life um, and was misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder
0: so. I, my mother was a narcissist, and so um, I, I think my older sister took the brunt of it. Um, she, you know, heading towards drugs as escape, but yep. really just no identity of her own. And, and it is not like she liked my mother, they, they were like boiling, yep. down. but it's set in a pattern of her life of, of this helplessness. She 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 just can't do anything on her own, and um, you know the the, the self condemnation that they go through that this is my fault, this is they internalize it, and it's a very very hard thing to break when you have had a lifetime of this being told yeah. you're you're the bad one, you're doing this, you're doing that, and and yet they see this crazy behavior and they're getting blamed for it from birth. It's a very hard thing to. Come out of that door and have a normal life unless you get some. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, Dr. Carol McBride talks about that a lot. And that's really, she's kind of the pioneer in that arena of mother daughter uh, dynamics with a, with a maternal narcissist. And she talks a lot about how there is a split in the cluster B mother. Um, and probably it sounds like with your sister, she was the designated um, scapegoat the one who carried all the badness. And so she internalized um what your mother disowned within herself. And then there's a the golden child or there are different roles that children can play. Um but yeah that's really very, very debilitating.
0: Yeah. It's 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 a very scary thing for anybody dealing with a female narcissist. They they are evil. Um mm. hide in the shadows. Yeah. They have a public persona that everybody loves, like you mentioned, someone from church and, you know, high-powered executive, oh, look at her, she's up there, and and yet you don't realize how many bodies she stepped on to get there.
1: Right, right, yeah. I remember years ago, I had a session with a woman who was a sweet young woman who was really kind of... Um, struggling to want to kind of to identify who she was and to create a life for herself and her mother was paying for her therapy. Her mother was extremely cruel. Uh, she was a Latina and in Latina community, it's interesting because they're often very histrionic and it's the only that's the only cluster B pathology that actually is related to an ethnic group to Latina women. Um, it's sort of like a Pedro Almodovar film, you know, where they're like off the charts, women on the verge, um, very histrionic, very melodramatic, almost kind of the novellas, the, you know, the Spanish novellas. So her mother came into a session once and, uh, she made my skin crawl. Mm -hmm. She was the kind of the, the just exemplary, you know, of the Latina matriarch. Mm -hmm. and was oozing this false martyrdom and this sense of, you know, being benevolent. But she was, she was there to let me know, I'm in charge, I'm in control. Of course, this woman never lasted in treatment, Mm -hmm. um, which is really, it's very sad. Um, But I think it is important to to really, um, to really amplify the point that female narcissists are not just people who have some self-indulgent entitled traits Mm -hmm. you know it it runs the gamut you know and it can be and because they have such power as mothers they can destroy people and
0: they do yeah they do and they they destroy marriages the jealousy yeah children being used as pawns so if you were used as a pawn as her child your child's going to come and and she's going to use that grandchild to get to you and you know it's just a an evil evil game but um what did we miss like what can we tell people if they're in this situation what's their best like avenue to learn more to get help to you know, speak up when someone's in their presence?
1: It's difficult because there isn't as much information as there needs to be about female narcissists. I mean, most of the information that's disseminated really focuses on men as narcissists. So when I talk about female narcissism, I'm looking at kind of the cluster B range, which is usually borderline histrionic with strong narcissistic traits. I think we have to get past the labels and look at the behavior. You know, um, because women who are manipulating in a very kind of um, manipulative female gender specific way Mm -hmm. are just as uh, malevolent and dangerous as the male counterpart. And I think we need to start to trust our instincts to see through the facade, through persona, into character, and I guess what I work on the most with my clients initially is trusting their instincts and reclaiming their instincts, because a lot of people, they want to latch on to the fictional narrative. You know, a narcissist will always start out, they being able to read a person very well. That's what they do for a living, and in a sense to get supply. They know who to become, they're chameleons. They morph into whatever they need to be in order to dominate and um, and latch on and glean supply. So I find that when they start to play games, people don't wanna see it. They have confirmation bias. They begin, they, they see what they wanna see. So we have to be willing to question people, people's motives. And I know that seems to be counterintuitive. It almost sounds like I'm saying be paranoid, but what I'm saying is be intelligently guarded. We live in a world where there are many character disordered people, and some have traits and are treatable. I think though, when we're talking about the more disordered, malevolent, malignant range, I don't feel that um, that cluster B, people in that cluster B range can necessarily be treated, mm-hmm. um, especially if they are completely devoid of empathy, mm-hmm. because then they are not able to, they don't have enough strength to self examine or to form a bond
0: mm-hmm.
1: with a therapist. Right.
0: Yeah, th- this has been so helpful. Thank you, Sherry. Um, I, well, my I- pleasure. I would, uh, I'm going to give everybody a link to your article that you put on my blog that right. um, will let them read a lot more about this. But how do they find you?
1: My website at sherrytherapist.com and I spell my name S-H-E-R-I and therapist is one word. And that's where I have all my articles and all my information. Okay. So I'd be happy to hear from anyone if anyone has any further questions. Awesome. I'm always available.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a great discussion. And as I said in the beginning, we could probably talk all day um, mm-hmm. because it's just like, it's like we talk the same language and, and wow. uh, I love listening to you because you are a brilliant lady with a lot of real- awesome. thank you Tracy. So, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you. Great to see you. Well, I hope that you learned something. I'm going to put a link down below to Sherry's article on female narcissist down below in the link. So look for that. And if you've got more questions, feel free to reach out to us. You can look at all kinds of information on my website, which is support.com. You can find all kinds of resources, get help, and I'll find your answers. So thank you so much for watching and I will see you again next time.